The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, freshfm.net, for our contact details. Good morning, you're on, or good afternoon, depending on whether you're listening to us live or on a podcast via the www.postbandproductions.com, the home of the dyslexic autistic detective, otherwise known as Ben Vigin. Good luck for finding me on Google and Google and Bling, because I'm basically completely shadow banned there. Um, little interesting point on that note, uh, Worldwide Socialist website did a survey on on people, basically groups have been shadow banned, and we hear a lot of stuff about the talk about the alt-right and extremists being uh, banned on um, online content, when in actual fact what the Worldwide Web Socialist website pointed out uh, was in actual fact the biggest group to actually get censored out there were groups that were anti-war, anti-court and anti-corporate, so that's again another one of these, you know, keep, oh we're going to censor people all against the outright, against the extremists, you know, uh, when reality is those tools are rapidly being used to shut down anybody that points out the injustices of a very few people affecting the majority of us. In my experience, as we the last week as we go into the election, is that when we talk about extremists far left or extremists far right, if you follow them up the uh, prongs of these two separate on the barbecue, you'll find they come to the same handle and normally financed by the same groups or at least by those motivated by the same thing. In New Zealand, of course, the thing that's really driving everything here is Zealander. So Zealander is the is the fact that New Zealand is now actually not a country, we're a continent. Yes, you heard us right, we're a massive continent, but 94% of us is actually under the water. Two, again, don't, don't believe me in this, go and look it up yourself, but 2008 we changed the economic exclusion zone to a massive staggering area that covers you know pretty much the lower South Pacific, and basically that's all those resources, all those rich minerals, tachinum, platinum, all the things that go on your phone, all the things that are on your cell phones, anything that you've got electronic, Basically, we got it. So it's not quite like the pineapple lumps had. It's actually reversed. We've got everything. And the worst of the world's corporates actually know this. And, of course, the best way to mess us up is get us fighting each other. Now, I as uh, have received flack over the time because I've turned around and been critical of different groups that have emerged. And um, and I'm like, well, and it's going, oh, just we just want you need to unite. Yeah, okay, but the point is the matter is that I've been doing this alternative independent media reporting probably a lot longer than anybody else actually is. So, you know, in terms of people that suddenly pop up, I'm very interested when you haven't actually seen these people beforehand and then they pop up out of the woodwork, um, I become curious and then I want to look at their finances. And this is the thing that I find very interesting. Like there's a lot of these names and I'm sure you know them all, um, but I'm not going to get into names with parties today. I'm going to actually borrow from these guys because I want to reverse engineer because you, you can come to my website and probably about a tenth of the remarks that I get are actually, you know, I show on it from the comments in terms of derogatory. Uh, but it's pretty clear that these guys are really, really interested in me and they're really interested in my privacy and they've looked and looked and looked and there's a lot more of them and all they can get at the end of the day is that I'm a guy and I've got the internet. So they haven't found me linked to any organisations, no overseas organisations, no satanic groups. 
uh, they haven't found me linked to the CIA, they haven't found me linked to mining companies, they haven't linked me with a big shooter daddy that's putting $65,000 in my bank account so that I can go and get a Range Rover. Um, anything I've just I've earned, I've declared, I've made completely transparent. So, you know, all I can say to you guys is that when I report, I report, if nothing else, from an unbiased background. I'm not with the red camp, I'm not with the blue camp, I'm not on anybody's camp. And that's all these groups that are popping up there. That's the thing which I would argue, if I was a clever prosecutor, that these guys' groups cannot actually claim journalistic privileges. In fact, one of the particular groups, which I will I will make the exception, my old colleague Vinny used to repeatedly make that statement on here, oh, I'm not a journalist. So, okay, then then don't claim those 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 rights. And and it does it does it does frustrate me when I see groups popping up, you know, uh, putting on little fake clowns costumes. And in fact there's one particular person, he's got so many clown costumes, again you sit there going Guys, are you not getting it? Like, you know, a, a legitimate person doesn't have to change their suits all the time. They wear one suit because that's this actual skin. When you're changing your, your suits all the time, it's normally kind of a sign that you actually there isn't anything inside and you're just a mimic and, you're, and all you know how to do is impersonate. They certainly don't uh, have a charter. They certainly don't actually uh, aren't members of the printing union. They certainly have never worked for any news organisation. They certainly have no, no training in any news media organisation. So they can't really claim to be journalists. So let's let's get that first thing. Is when you're trying to work out who to listen to, you need to be listening to people that are giving information while they are not actually saying, with the other hand, oh, you should vote for this person or not vote for that particular person. Um, because it immediately shows you that they're actually not in the game of journalism, they're in the game of lobbying and they're in the game of propaganda. And this is why so many of these groups have popped up during the, uh, the periods of 2020 and they've basically, we, we, you know, we, we've gone from this pattern where people used to march down the streets, so it was Nelson, you march to the Trafalgar steps and you'd all march together and you'd sit at the steps and you'd, one by one, if you had something to say, you'd sit at the top of the steps and you'd talk down and the politicians who bothered to show up wouldn't be there to speak. They were there to listen to you and they would be at the bottom of the steps. I'm absolutely sick of activist movements getting hijacked by political parties that have no intention of actually doing anything that they say. Now, again, this is something I've talked about, mocktivism, deep pockets, being able to jump in there. They pay for the funding of the microphones, the stage areas. They take basically control of it because they've got the biggest dollars at the end of the day. And more often than not, while we're all out there in our little tents, the leadership, this particular leadership will be normally inside the hotel, having nice little drinks, more often than not even with the police officers, uh, and making deals on behalf of us, which we haven't actually authorised them to. And they don't have that authority to do it. And they take leadership, they, t they steal leadership of something which is not theirs. Um, so again, no, I'm very certain political parties out there that have popped up on the scene um, not very, very cool at all because I don't think that they actually have your interest at all. And they're just basically mimicking... Um, what our politicians do. I mean, it's that, that whole pursuit of, of power means more than the actual ethics and standards. You know, this is why if you're a political party, you don't turn around and actually employ a full-scale neo-Nazi with a serial recidivist history of of brutal criminal action and derogatory, bigotry remarks. Um, and, I, and I'm not talking just about anti-Asian, I'm talking about just basically filth. Violent little stupid little men that haven't got anything better to do and to have a desperate need to be important. Uh, so they strut up and down in their little mock neo-Nazi uniforms. These are probably not good people to have in your political party. And if you bring them into your political party, you are pooping on everybody else and all, all the hard work of those who've come before and, and all what for your own gratuitous ego. So if you're a political party, 
and you start affiliating and going to parties and not just going to marching but socialising with these same sort of people, the same sort of people who have actually openly admitted that they've overthrown or, or been funded by big business to, uh, to disrupt and destabilise Pacific Nation Islands, that have appeared on television with a whole bunch of weapons in front of them, that have got their social media sites clearly plastered and guns and it kind of makes you look like a nonk and it makes your calls look like a nonk. And again, when you import people from overseas to uh, give, give everyone justice, you know, the, 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 and we're talking about importing people that actually don't have any recognised authority. These are people that actually don't have any uh, actual qualifications and the ones that they do are extremely suspect and made up from uh, online internet universities. Um, these are people that have actually made their money by being scammers and jumping onto social causes so that they can fund little uh, holidays for themselves in Bali. Uh, these are people that have got very, very strong links again to the mining industry. And again, that's a common feature of all these little parties and instant pop-up heroes that I'm seeing as their uh, links to the mining companies and their the, the extreme... I said, you know, like on both sides, you've got, on one end, you've got the far left going, oh, electric, electric, it's all great, you know, oh, we won't talk about deep sea mining, we won't talk about child labour, we won't talk about uh, wars that are in third world countries that have been, you know, created and triggered over these resources. We won't talk about these resources that are used to basically prop up the military industrial complex. So that's one handle. And then on the other side of the handle, you've got these people that are actually clearly invested by these mining companies that are actually funding these extreme alt-right platforms that are popped up uh, trying to claim activists and, uh, uh, you know, and that's again, conflict of interest. You're either a political party or you're an activist. So, you know, what's with this thing of people going, you know, and this actually doesn't even apply to the independent act pop-ups. It's this thing of, in Parliament, um, we have a staggering amount of people in Parliament now that are lawyers. Now, basic civics dictate, dictates you have the executive, which is what Parliament's meant to do, the executive decision of government, and you have the judiciary. So, you know, there is, there is straight away, you, you cannot wear two hats, and that we have so many lawyers in now, it's something that we really need to have, you know, be having a discussion about. I don't believe that that's actually, you know, I mean, likewise, we've got Winston Peters. And Winston Peters, which is the exception of the people I'm naming today, Winston Peters, a guy that not only has said no to the TPA in 1080, just like all these other little instant pop-up groups are doing, but once elected, completely walked away from those causes and walked away to his buddies in the mining, 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 racing and tobacco industry uh, and the forestry and all the people that basically are knee-deep up into their nostrils in collaboration with offshore companies that are really keen to get our resources. And the best way they can do that is have us squabbling like hell um, over left, right, left, right, left, right, while we don't pay attention and they still look at this family silverware, which is pretty much what's going on. And again, 94% of New Zealand, now on the water, most deepest concentration of minerals, and this is something that we should be actually having proper discussions about and actually having proper in-depth investigative journalism and to actually look at whose corporate interests are actually involved in New Zealand and who's paying who. Unfortunately, we're not going to get that anytime soon because, again, what we've suffered from our media is not just a lack of, of us being taught civics so that we're aware of some of these things, which are pretty basic stuff, you know? This is stuff that they literally used to teach 10 and 12-year-olds at school, but they don't do anymore. So nobody actually understands what the judiciary is. No one understands executive. They don't understand conflict of interest. They don't understand the basic mechanics, how the flag, the currency. And so instead what they do is they run around listening to people on the YouTube who actually didn't go to school, didn't study, never showed any study in academia, but now they've got YouTube. God almighty, they're Rhodes Scholars. Knock me down with a feather. 
Um, what they don't have is they haven't, it doesn't matter it's about if you go to university, it makes you smarter. It's more about the question of have you had training in your craft? Do you know the different means that you can actually report to ensure that you're not just actually picking the facts to suit your own bias? Um, now, these scammers out there, these pop-up instant parties with the deep pockets that link back to mining companies, um, they know this stuff. They do know this, and they're playing, they're playing on your ignorance, and they're now hoping that you don't know this stuff. So I love, I love racking them up because, again, you know, that's kind of the job of what I did in the Army. It was um, six years, cut lunch commandos. It wasn't 007. I was .0007. Probably the janitor had actually probably more access, but I got to be a fly on the wall. And... Um, the big part of that was, was counterintelligence is basically it's making sure you're spy hunting to keep out the bad guys from your own camp. And that's pretty much all the role I've taken on as everyone of these pop-ups I've turned around and, you know, had a look at them and gone, well, this is a report on this. Some people have got it. Most people have already figured out what they what they want to believe. They want, they want a leader. They want someone to follow. And so they'll run away, stick their pieces of paper in a bullet box and then think, oh, we don't have to worry about it anymore because someone else is now going to be responsible for all the things that we should be responsible for ourselves. I'm going to take a little break now. In the next segment of the show, I'm going to be talking about the situation, the global situation in relation to what's happening in the Middle East. Um, so we'll lead into that. Uh, and again, about the whole issue of how easy it is to get people to hate each other and, and focus on our differences and not our common hood, our, our real essential things that keep us alive, keep us as people. So this is Vada Armageddon Days. Are you ready, Jesus? Uh, Buddha. Yeah. Okay. Well, right. Let's go! The miles high as the moon flies, leaving paper trails across the blood red sky. Moving in from the east, the towards the west, we're battle-clapping helmets over the heat. Yes! Jesus Christ is coming
Christ were to stand up today, he'd be gunned down cold by the CIA. But the lights that now burn brightest behind stained glass will cast the darkest shadows. Love that song. That's uh, the other Armageddon days. Brian Johnson, possibly one of the best musicians to come out of the 90s. Um, pretty much will never really kind of, I mean, they've done very well in the sense of that I've probably bought about eight of their CDs over life and every single one of them has been stolen and everybody I know that's ever bought another album has had their album stolen. So I imagine it does quite, real, does quite well in royalties over time, but they never really did it mainstream, um, largely because they like to talk about deep things and make come up with songs that made you think deep and that's not really encouraged in our pop culture scene today in fact one of the marketing things that we get told about is that um you know when you're watching you've ever noticed you pay attention to <laughs> the ghost of bruce almighty uh, oh that's um that's just the rooster story we'll have to say that one for another day that uh, did really well but not so you know <laughs> No, actually, that's not Bruce Almighty because Bruce Almighty is now the rooster in the in the sky. That's actually um, big, big red. Morning, big red. So we're actually recording live um, out here in the um, the beautiful Golden Bay uh, with a live audience, uh, which you might hear from time to time. <laughs> All right, let's go on just back to serious topics. Um, so in that song, that um, basically he's talking about the situation in the Middle East, which uh, really hasn't changed a hell of a lot. In fact, it's got a lot worse. And I'll start you off with a very non-laughy uh, issue. Um, I talked about at the beginning of this year in January that the world clock was now at 90 seconds to midnight. This is the clock that the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists set up to measure the probability of there being a extinction level crisis caused predominantly by nuclear. There's now been expanded to other things, of course, climate change, of course. But my point is, number one, um, <laughs> everybody's a critic. Um, number one is that you can't actually have a serious combat against climate change when you're in the middle of a cold war and the war is ripping apart and so all of this talk about climate change I take it very very hard to take it seriously it's not that I'm don't believe in climate change it's not that I don't believe that we should have uh, we should be treating this planet with a lot more respect than we actually are the issue I have is that if we you want to have climate uh, combat climate change then you have to have peace War is not even mentioned once in the international planet climate change. And what we do know is as a consequence already of the Cold War in the Ukraine, large amounts of the money that has actually been pledged for climate change is now being diverted into the nuclear industry, which is mentioned extensively and ridiculously amounts um, within uh, the IPC report, although it doesn't talk about the appalling management record of the nuclear industry, which has not improved. I mean, there is a reason why they call them the Black Mafia. And it doesn't talk about what we do with nuclear waste. These things are just like, again, like, oh, because of man's carelessness, blah, 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 but we'll go on nuclear power, but don't worry about the rubbish, Bruce. Just when you want him to crow, that's typical of a chicken, a rooster. So that's the whole situation, is that if you really want to combat climate change, one of the first things we've got to do is we've got to deal with this big monster in the room called the military industrial complex that's currently driving us to extinction point. Now, 
I will look to you about the situation with Hamas, and I mention all that because, you know, a few people turn around and say, oh, yes, we looked at Hamas, you know, we're 90 seconds to midnight, and I went, hate to point it out to you, boys and girls, but that actually was the evaluation that was done in January, and they won't be doing another one until next year. So I would say within the, you know, we're now into October, so, you know, nearly January, but not quite, but I would say that we are probably, when it comes out next time around, it's going to be about at the 80 to 70 second mark. We are getting perilously close, and if you know anything about what Israel's nuclear policy is in the event that they get, uh, believe that they are under a threat, it's terrifying because their policy is basically go out and nuke everybody else and let them sort it out. You know, the, we should be having these in-depth conversations about where this could come and treating, talking to us like adults and explaining it to all that. We, we, this is not a war we can afford. And, you know, I, I'm just, I'm going to go back to the point that that when this attack occurred by the Hamas, which, by the way, uh, here's an, an interesting piece of information for you. The Hamas, uh, I'll just qualify this statement. As I said, I was in the army for six years. I was doing my degree in political science. I specialised in the subject of basically counter-terrorism and political violence. Uh, in my third year, I did a dissertation for which I got an A uh, on the history of Middle Eastern European terrorism, 1960 to 19, I think 1985, the end of the, my period while I was at university. So I, this is a topic which I know intensely at an expert level, uh, and, and I've had my work on terrorism published now in at least a dozen languages. So I, I haven't actually gone and looked through them all, but I'm cited for around about 600 to 700 different citations academically overseas. Most of that is in reference to my work actually on, on these particular issues. Um, I haven't, honestly don't know if it's all flattering. I generally find that academics generally don't give other academics, uh, you know, it'll be, somebody will comment on it. But the point of the matter is I have this accreditation. And the, the, one of the things I discovered when I was looking into the Middle Eastern terrorist groups in terms of the way they work, they work on a vanguard structure. Al-Bana network became is, is Islamic Jihad, Islamic Jihad became Al-Qaeda, and Al-Qaeda become, effectively became ISIS or, you know, an ISIS state, it goes on and on. But one, one begets the other, as violence begets, begets, begets. The Hamas actually owe its origins uh, to originally the um, Israeli military intelligence, the Shin Beth, um, you basically developed and recruited them from uh, basically radical mullahs that were linked into the Hezbollah, the Iranian Hezbollah, yes, that's correct, you've heard that, just in the same way that the Iranian secret police were actually originally trained by the, the and that's the SAVAK, were originally trained by the Mossad, and when they had the change of government uh, following the revolution of the Ayatollah, um, you know how many of those SAVAK uh, brutal torturers got dragged out the back and shot like they should have been? None. They all just went to work for the new regime. So you have these very interesting kind of wells with on relationships and so with the Hezbollah through infiltrating into universities in Palestine and to Lebanon uh, through social and cultural and political elements the uh, Israeli intelligence or the Israeli military intelligence the Shin Beth or, or in, fact, in fact the unit was the, the guys 101 um, basically recruited these guys and they effectively homebrewed their own terrorist group and they were set up as a splinter to splinter the popular support of Yasser Arafat during the second Invitada um, when there was a huge upswelling um, and which is pretty much what we're heading into right now. So the the history first of all of Hamas is it's not a question it's not an question oh it's Israel so oh it's Iran this, this, is, this is a nasty little creature all of these terrorist groups have you, have you ever noticed that the, the terrorist groups don't go around attacking say you know Israeli defense headquarters or Monsanto or actually any freaking target that would actually do the people that are supposedly standing up for good at, or at least generate them a bit of international sympathy. Most of the time they go around attacking people that are actually going to make them actually people hate them. I mean 
Doesn't that strike you as being particularly logical? There's a reason for that, very simple. Terrorist groups are by nature, they're evolutionary. So what you happen if you look at, for example, the Red Army Fraction in Italy started as off a bunch of ideologists that really didn't do much more than wave flags around occasionally like throw stones at the, the right-wing guys. Eventually what happened, however, was as they got evolved, um, they started to transform from being politically motivated to being basically hired guns. So by the end of the, when the Red Army Fraction kidnapped Aldo Moro, and this was a big deal, blamed on the left, rah, rah, big name, the reason why nature should have more money, um, it ultimately translated during the 1990 corruption trials into, into Italy that the NATO had been running a policy called the Strategy of Tension, which was designed to actually make extremist groups um, basically butt head harder than, than anything so that they'll be so busy fighting and people would be so afraid that they'd go to the state and go, oh, we need need more money spent on arms and security to protect us all from these evil terrorists and, and wouldn't actually question too much about the tax cuts or the fact that the very, very fat cats are doing very, very well while everybody else wasn't. And it emerged that, yes, they were funding both sides of including the Red Army Faction um, and their counterparts and the, and the fascists who fire groups like Propaganda Duo who actually carried out more terrorist attacks than all the left-wing combined during the 1980s and the 1990s. So again, you know, when we write about all these pop-up experts, and I say, I say to you, you know, each side is funny, you know, follow the hand it leads back. So we've got all these dingbat experts that are running around university now that are experts in the subject that I actually spent um, eight years, go have an international, already international recognisation, already have international recognised accreditation, uh, but I'm a conspiracy theorist, while the person that does French literature is now being paid by the government uh, from a fund to study a topic which they have no first-hand boots-on-ground experience, no actual academic qualifications, that's going to work out really, really well. So they're going to talk a lot of crap uh, about stuff that they've never studied. Whereas, in fact, if you look at most of them, they're actually borrowing research that I've actually, you know, pioneered nearly 10 years ago when I actually pointed out that Gun City uh, and the um, skinheads in Christchurch were a bit of a problem. And this is, this is apparently what the security forces weren't keeping an eye on. Again, um, have I been ever been given a chance as an expert academic on this topic to testify at the Royal Inquiry, I would have ripped that particular piece to shred. But of course, it wasn't, we didn't get that opportunity, but instead we had an inquiry which the government very, very got to basically decide who's going to speak and who didn't and who would get to hear what. And so basically it was a big farce. And we're in leading into this particular situation in our politics right now where... I want to, I've got to wrap this up because we're coming to the end of the show. But we're in a situation right now where our country is becoming incredibly polarised. It's been very polarised because of these bullies on the left and the right uh, who are creating, combining their own, you know, mass anti-culture everything and make it all homogenised, which is pretty much all warned us would actually happen anyway. And then you get in that situation, what you're going to have is you're going to have less and less accountability, less and less transparency. And that's really the issue we should be talking about. And basically... My advice to you in this election is don't worry too much about what the results are. If you think that a piece of paper voting for somebody and uh, going to a meeting and going, oh, listen to that person with a big big sign for saying vote for me. Oh, they seem to know what they're doing because oh, they must do because they've got money. Because how otherwise, you know, that means that that's sensible because they've got money. That's how they've got that, that big microphone and, and the platform. So they must know what they're doing. So, oh, yeah, I'll just follow them behind them. Don't. Don't follow behind them. Actually start actually learning to stand on your own two feet. Uh, don't worry about the left and the right. Basically, you've just got to look after your own communities. Uh, treat everybody in your community like you would, you know, everybody has something to value to contribute. Listen to what they have to say. Um, beautiful. Just had a big, beautiful black 
oh, that's a good sign, um, fly past me. And um, just, you know, don't listen to the haters. And on that note, I'm going to play something really bubbly gum. And it's not actually something I'd have listened to. So engineer, play me the hater song. You know the one that goes, haters going to hate, 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 hate. Play, play, play. I'm going to dance, dance, dance. I think that's possibly the worst imitation of it. So um, we might get that song. But otherwise, you've been listening to Ben Vigin on the Deadline Report, courtesy of Fresh FM and the uh, accompanied by the Roosterettes. Uh, have a great weekend. And just remember at the end of the day, Nobody gets out of this alive, so don't take it too seriously. It's all one big bloody joke at the end of the day. I see I'm too late. Got nothing in my brain. That's what people say. Mm-hmm. That's what people say. Mm-hmm. I go on too many dates. <laughs> but I can't make them stay. At least that's what people say. Mm-hmm. That's what people say.
The podcast you just listened to was a live recording of a radio show, first broadcast on Fresh FM with support from New Zealand On Air. Fresh FM is a community access media station based in Te Tauihu, the top of the South Island, New Zealand. The funding of Access Media makes these podcasts possible. To find similar programs by other community access media stations, go online to accessmedia.nz. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website freshfm.net for our contact details.